Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 8, Episode 11, Deadline. Mary, what happened this week? Brandon gets arrested for accessorizing a felonious individual or whatever after refusing to give the assistant district attorney Erica's name. He makes bail with Steve's dad's lawyer's help and considers it a victory, but Kelly reminds him this is only the beginning when the criminal justice system is involved. Due to the thin Walsh walls, Erica overhears him and Kelly discussing what to do and offers to help. They set up a sting to catch Riggs doing bad things, taking cash Erica apparently earned in Vegas and having drugs and trying to sell them to an undercover officer. As soon as the deal's done, cops fly out from every direction to arrest Riggs and Erica so he doesn't suspect she set him up. Now Brandon doesn't have to go to prison and Erica can go live with Dylan. Okay, so when this episode started, I thought there was maybe a time jump because Kelly had cut her hair and I was really not Mm. expecting it. And then when they came down the stairs and Erica is like, I love your new haircut. It's like, was there a break? Were you supposed to have gone and gotten haircuts? So I think, like, in a different storyline, we find out it's been, like, a week or something. Mm. Okay. Which so is, not like, like, normal. Yeah, but. that's not, like, a huge break. But when Kelly came with her haircut, I was like, oh, maybe this was, like, a mid-season and not even close. Mm. I also I just, wonder sometimes, like, how often shows film out of order Mm-hmm. I know it's more common on like sitcoms and procedurals and stuff like that that doesn't have like heavy plot carrying from one episode to the next. But I feel like with a major haircut like that, there has to be some sort of continuity. So, yeah. And we, so we know that they would do like double ups because yeah. they had the 30 episode season. So they must have like maybe done like a filming break. And then she comes mm. back with the haircut. Because I remember, you know, all the rumors that they were so serious about, like, your hair and your makeup and everything. You couldn't just get a haircut because of continuity because it has to go with the story. So, like, yeah, when they came down the stairs and she has a full-on pixie cut and they're like, I love your new haircut. It's like, this is important, but I don't know why. I think it's important because she keeps inching closer and closer to Emily Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, just stir in the pot. <laughs> I was muted, but I just gasped. <laughs> it's like a full single white female of Emily Valentine with Brandon. He's just like, wait, what? I mean, think about it. If she can be both, he won't ever want for anything else. <laughs> That's so kind I think of my brilliant. favorite I think my favorite part about the haircut question is that they are in the Walsh house coming downstairs and presumably the morning. So Brandon has definitely had time to digest this haircut, so why are we talking about it? Yeah, good point. Good point. No, she cut her hair upstairs. Nobody has seen it. (laughs) She's this good at it. But, oh my god, or she's just becoming more and more like Jackie. Because, I mean, not now. Yeah, she's becoming her mother. Yeah, because, like, you know, Jackie has longer hair now, or at least last we saw which was like Kelly's, but it used to be very short, just like this. 
What I if, don't know. I'm grasping. No. Jackie started growing her hair out and Kelly was just like, no, we can't do this. And so she cut her <laughs> hair short. And they're yeah. just going to be playing like chicken with hairstyles. Next thing you see, like Aaron shows up with a pixie cut. <laughs> oh my God. And they all take a very 90s photo shoot together where they're all just in full denim. Yes. I need it. I want I it. I want it so bad. But what we get instead is everybody goes into the kitchen where it turns out that Brandon just talked to Dylan and Iris has also talked to Dylan and they all want Erica to go stay with Dylan in London. And I mean, I appreciate Erica being all, I can't leave because you guys might get in trouble for helping me. And then the timing of Brandon being like, no, it's all over. Oh, there's the doorbell. Arrested. Yeah. Well, that and how easily Erica, like, not only just wants to stay and help Brandon, but she's just, like, carted around. Like, she's Mm -hmm. living with, you know, Kevin and Suzanne, who are actively trying to, like, commit crimes. And then she gets bumped over to Iris, who, for as much as we like her, sucks as a mother. She's not good at raising children. No, or any kind of guardian of any kind. And then escapes Iris, for lack of a better word, to live on the streets. And then now is bouncing to the Walsh house and then to London. Like, poor girl is like, how old we said? 14, 15? Her schooling is fucked. Well, and now she's going to move to another country where, like, yeah, okay, now you got to figure out the visa problem and then you have to get into school. Maybe. I don't know what British school looks like. I've heard about levels, A-levels. Is that a thing? Mm -hmm. Sure. I don't know, but poor girl. Ugh. It's wild. And I feel like her going to live with with Dylan and presumably Brenda as well, like, we have to assume they're living together Um, and they're – early 20s with this like I mean it's gonna be good for her to be with Dylan but this is gonna be a huge shock to her system oh totally but no I love that Brandon gets arrested and he's like oh it's just a misunderstanding call a lawyer and so Kelly calls Steve I mean fair though for as many times as Steve has gotten out of stuff and really, you know, she probably meant call your dad, right? Like, yeah, he's so powerful. But it's just so funny how she's just like, oh, yeah, well, default to Steve. He's had to get out of trouble so many times. He must have a lawyer and, on retainer. <laughs> and to be fair, Rush is like, oh, yeah, I have a lawyer on retainer. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. There was also – so all this stuff with Brandon getting arrested happens before the credits and then the credits roll. And then there is, like, the poppiest ska song in the b-roll and i was like why would you do this yeah like it was so upbeat and so positive and then they're just like police station (laughs) like everything in the other stories is like kind of dark at this point brandon's been arrested he's in jail or like holding or whatever and then they're just like I, I can't name a ska song. I don't know. Lots of trombone. The Superman song. Um, ba, 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 <laughs> or like the impression that I get. <laughs> the Mighty Bostones. Yes. <laughs> I feel like they used all of their cop jazz buzz- budget last week. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're like, crap, guys. Law, Law and Order SVU is suing us. We can't use a... <laughs> <laughs> 
my god. Seriously, nothing would make me happier than a fan edit of the B-roll after Brandon gets arrested with the Law and Order music and then just oh. like tun tun going into the Beverly Beat. <laughs> well, that and like a crossover, like where was Marishka Hargitay in this episode? <laughs> it's literally SVU, like this would be her job. Mhm. Oh man, but we have to talk about like Brandon's whole arrest and the DA and all this stuff because like yeah. Brandon knows that the only way to like truly get out of trouble because he gets bail, but the only way to truly get out of trouble is to give up his source, which he won't do. So he's ready to go to trial with a jury. He's like, no, I'll yeah. beat a, I'll beat this because of freedom of the press. Mm-hmm. And like, I kind of love when, you know, like Brandon's so confident, so optimistic. And he's like, a judge and a jury, you know, will be on my side. And Kelly's just like, but what if they aren't? Like, you know, it's like he's so just confident and and so positive that this is all going to work out fine. And Kelly's like, dude, this isn't just like you're going to win the Dreyer Fellowship or whatever, or you're going to be on a special task force. This is like literally you could go to prison for five years. So why don't we think of that possibility? And why don't we figure out what we're going to do here instead of just blindly believing it's all going to be okay? And yeah, what's very interesting about this like naivete that Brandon has going on is he's seen his friends have to go to trial before. Like, yeah. Donna had to go to trial over Joe and, you know, all of that, like, abuse stuff. And that just mm-hmm. completely destroyed her in the time. And Steve, he didn't have to go in front of a jury, but Steve had to go in front of a judge when he had the house fire at the party. Like, mm-hmm. Brandon has to know that this is not the easy way out. Like, yeah, this is not. I w- yeah. I wonder if part of him is, like, so I don't know the right word but it's like because I'm even thinking of the Donna situation I'm even thinking of like Colin's situation in both scenarios like Donna was a hundred percent right Donna was a hundred percent in in the right Joe was a hundred percent in the right Colin was a hundred percent in the wrong like there's no ifs ands or buts on either one of those sides and so Brandon has just seen that happen to his friends and just thought, well, there's no way anybody would think that I've done anything wrong. I am 100% innocent or like whatever, you know, he's thinking. And so he's literally thinking in extremes. And because he knows he's he's right, he knows he's on the right side of the law, even though he's technically not. He's just so like, well, this has worked out every other time. I'm no more guilty than all of them. So it'll be fine. And and it's like, that's literally like the purpose of a jury, right? Like, it's not up to you. If it was, you wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I. that's also a very interesting thing to point out that, you know, he's thinking of how those outcomes happen because Kelly has also been there for all of those. And she's probably like, I've been the friend on the side of things that couldn't do anything and just had to sit there like – True. You can't really think that this is going to go away so easily. I mean, right? literally when lawyer Anne gets him out and they're all like going to celebrate and Kelly's like, what are you doing? You're acting like you won. You didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love it. I, I really like 
most of Kelly's views in this episode. I don't want to say all in case I'm like forgetting something, but I do feel like Kelly was like an incredibly supportive girlfriend. She was incredibly smart. She's like, you know, really taking on all of these mature adult things really well this week. I agree. And I mean, like you said, when she's like trying to get them to realize like you didn't win anything. You just got on, on got out on bail, which is like the first step, right? It's not yeah. a case closed. It's not that you can't be put back in jail. It's that you literally just got out because someone paid money. That's it. Mm-hmm. And like thank God that Brandon, Steve, and Donna exposed Rush's sweatshop and gained that favor. <laughs> right? Uh, that missed me completely. <laughs> That was the funniest thing in the world that Rush was just like, I owed this guy one after he put me on the straight and narrow. Honestly, it took me a minute. I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Well, and like he said he was proud of Steve and I'm like, oh boy, that's not going to last Rush. (laughs) Not even a little bit. If we we called Rush, it's not just for a lawyer. He's going to stick around for some other Mm -hmm. storylines. Yep. But then, yeah, I mean – you know, even though Brandon was celebrating making bail, he does acknowledge that he and lawyer Anne have an appointment with the assistant DA the next day. And I think this was a very interesting conversation because the assistant DA says, you know, do you think your source is the only teenager working for Riggs? And when he says no, and she keeps the story going of like, do you, what do you think he's doing to these other people now that you've revealed the source or, you know, mm-hmm. all this But if we're going down that route, why doesn't she just try and go find those other people? This is the part that we've talked about before, and it was killing me. Yeah, because I I think in this scenario, and maybe, you know, maybe this is my own naivety about it. Like, if you know this is happening, you don't need a source. Or at least you don't need Brandon's source. Like, you mm. could just go straight to the well. And, like, especially with what we see later with the little, like, the police staying operation or whatever. They literally had police officers or detectives undercover as a person who looked like they were experiencing homelessness. A person that looked like they might be, you know, in the market for buying drugs. Like, you're able you, you've clearly established that you're able to take people and put them actively in the field undercover so why not just do that like work with the detective's office to say hey we have suspicion about this guy and we've had this for a long time can you go check it out and then boom you've got like 80 sources i don't i'm exaggerating but like you've at least got another one yeah i mean it seems like we know the area that Riggs and his em- employees, quote unquote, I guess, work. So you could easily go do this. I also really loved how you said someone who might be in the market for drugs. I don't know why that really makes me giggle. Of like, yeah, just <laughs> coke. He might be in the market for drugs. He's a major cokehead. Let's go talk to him. I don't know. He was, I don't know. I didn't want to be offensive in any way. So. <laughs> no, it was perfect. I loved it so much. <laughs> I just yeah I I think it's very interesting that this woman is willing to waste so many resources and so much time and energy 
just to make Brandon give up a source. Like she filled out all the paperwork to come up with an arrest warrant, get him arrested, make him get processed, bring other lawyers in to get him back out, throw money into the bail system. All of this over one name that she could just go down to that same corner and find somebody like I just this is where it loses me and I understand why they have to write it this way to make the story flow Mm -hmm. but literally when she was saying all this where she was like do you think your source is the only teenager we were like no we all know it's not go find the other ones yeah exactly and I think too for me like and this is just probably my own stuff but I also just don't like that they try to make it seem like Brandon is smarter than the ADA Mm -hmm. and that his way is the right way because we literally established several episodes ago Kelly saying like, oh, well, Brandon, he tends to do things his own way. Mm -hmm. Like meaning he doesn't listen to anybody else's opinion unless it's his idea. Like it has to be his idea for him to want to do something. And not that you know, Brandon isn't smart and not that he isn't capable and isn't like a really good problem solver. I think it's just like a little dangerous to insinuate that he's smarter than a person that has gone to law school, that has been, Mm -hmm. that has had experience on this job for, you know, years. You know, she doesn't strike me as a person who this is her first job or at Mm -hmm. least first year on the job. And Brandon literally was employed or was unemployed for like ever. And thank God Rush had that newspaper that he could just pick up and run. Like I I just, I think it's dangerous territory to put Brandon on this pedestal when there's no merit. Mm -hmm. And we love Brandon. We love Brandon. Yeah. I mean, I'm not disagreeing. We love Brandon. It's, it's the fact that Brandon is the main character and he's got golden boy syndrome. Like they can't not do it. They have to have Brandon yeah. be like, I'm going to go and release my editorial without talking to anybody or I'm going to go do this without doing, you know, getting Kelly's buy-in who, you know, probably spends more time with the legal system than I do now. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, and it's I no do wonder. It's no wonder he's so confident that everything's going to be fine. Like, because it, it's kind of like, if he says it, it'll happen. If he yeah. says something won't happen, it won't happen. You know, because how we've not seen anything to the contrary. Yeah, there's literally never been any consequences. Like, the only time he could have potentially faced real consequences was before the show had, like, established itself as serialized. And even now, we just drop everything. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, and then there was the part where the DA is saying, you know, oh, we'll protect your source – And Brandon goes, well, what about when you get tired of her and you get a new case and she's not the main priority anymore? And I'm over here thinking that the the ADA doesn't know this, but Brandon knows that she's got an open invitation to move to another country. Riggs is not big enough to follow her to London. Yeah. And it's also the 90s. I feel like it'd be a little hard to find her. I was just about to say the same thing. I was like, and it's not like he can just look her up on Facebook and go find her, you know? Like, it just... Yeah. I just don't think he's yeah. going to do it. Like, I don't think it's no. worth it. No. Maybe. We really don't know, but maybe. I don't know. And we get, like, a short... 
moment kind of developing, I think, a new storyline for Kelly in general. So, you know, she's been working at this foundation. We've seen her do a couple of things with the foundation. Now we know that there is a clinic run by her foundation, but it's only got one doctor. So, like, everything is really backed up. When that woman, I don't remember the exact times, so she's like, oh, you have an appointment at 10. He'll probably see you at 1130. Me, I'm sitting on my couch being like, that's not news. Like, yeah, I do that at my regular clinic. Seriously. Yeah. Like, I have a dermatology appointment tomorrow at 830, and I'm like, I probably won't be seen until 930. Like, constantly. Like, yeah. literally, last time I had an eye doctor appointment, it was like an hour. And I was like, I'm sorry. Why am I still sitting here at the eye doctor? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just like a little aside. They're kind of building that up. It comes back later in this episode, but you know, I think it it'll be more important in the future. Yeah, and I think that's the actually scene. it yeah. is. Yeah, because it's when she comes back and she talks about how she's been bouncing around. Which I am fascinated that this foundation is just totally happy with people coming in right out of college, no experience, being like, well, I don't know what I want to do, so I'm going to tell you and you're going to find a spot for me. I kind of love it, though, like, because it allows you to – now, let me caveat that by saying, like, this is obviously an industry that's, like, very sensitive and stuff, so mm-hmm. I don't love it for the industry necessarily. But in general, I love it because, like, oftentimes you don't know what you really want to do, especially coming right out of college – And I think there's so much pressure for people to figure it out when they're 18 years old or 22 years old and stick with that for the rest of their life or at least the rest of their working life. So the fact that Kelly has been able to bounce around departments or bounce around supervisors or whatever you want to call it and and now is like, well, hang on, I think I want to do this. Like, I kind of love that because then it's going to be something that she's much more passionate about. There's less burnout and it's, it's just like, totally symbiotic for the foundation and for her so I kind of love it yeah no I think it's a great story and I I love that they get to see it I think it makes complete sense for tv as well because then you can just have her put in to whatever position she needs to be in so like they started her with kids and then they had they came up with this Erica storyline so now she's working with teenagers and then she meets this doctor so now she's going to be working with a ton of people and you know that at some point, a storyline is going to come up where she meets a patient at the clinic or mm-hmm. she's going to find out that somebody working at the clinic is doing something wrong. Like you're opening yeah. yourself up to a bunch of storylines. But I agree. I think this is a fascinating turn for Kelly. Mm-hmm. See, I was thinking the opposite. I was just thinking like they're going to move Kelly in that foundation to wherever she needs to be to support whatever story they feel like telling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly what it's going to be. In like three weeks, she's Mm going to be totally disillusioned with this clinic and we're all going to have forgotten this very nice doctor man. (laughs) Yeah. Who they were completely shitting on just a couple of scenes ago. Like, oh, he must not be very qualified. Like, okay, he's your one doctor. Like, why? (laughs) I I kind of love that, though. It's like he's either like the least qualified or the most caring. We're not going to specify which. (laughs) God. Oh my God. See, I'm also he- a little unclear on what job Kelly is actually going to be doing. Like he, like she says she wants to be an administrator, but don't they already have one in that lady who was shit talking the doctor? Well, but that's the problem. She was shit talking the doctor. So Kelly is like, I can come in and take that woman's job. Fair. Okay. Opportunity but- seen. 
But then he says he needs someone to comfort people and help them fill out paperwork when they don't speak English. So, like, I think she is going to be an admin, just like Mm -hmm. admin part two. Like, one will be working at the desk and one won't be. Yeah, so I also think it's very interesting that Kelly can just walk around the foundation and go to these other places and be like, I want to work here. And they're just like, sure, you seem qualified. I know. It's so hand wavy. <laughs> so point. perfect. Because like the next time we see her, she's talking to Brandon and she's like, oh, by the way, I got a new job. Mm-hmm. Literally. I think literally that's it. Like they have a little, you know, moment talking about Valerie, but Valerie isn't another storyline. And then Kelly's like, oh, also, by the way, got a new job you should talk to Erica. And, of course, they have not learned yet. They literally have not learned that they have the thinnest walls ever. Or they know it and don't care enough. But, like, yeah, when Kelly says that to Brandon, Erica's just like, yeah, I want to help. And (laughs) Kelly's like, I thought you were asleep. It's like (laughs) as if that would stop her ears from working. (laughs) Yeah, no, Kelly, this house is so loud it mm-hmm. will wake everyone up. You're just having the conversation. They're just like, oh, my God, someone's talking about me. Mm-hmm. I also think it's interesting, you know, Brandon makes this comment about how he can get out of this by getting Riggs arrested on a different charge. Yeah. And, like, I mean, technically, but then you're not actually getting him for, like, this child sex ring. So, like, that's still going on. Like, you're not busting the ring by arresting him for drugs. I don't know. It's That's, it's very interesting to me. I mean, like, but to that point, I was a little confused, too, because, number one, by getting Erica's help, does that not reveal the source? Number one, which is the exact opposite of what Brandon wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Number two... Yeah, if you get him on one charge or some other charge, how – and I just don't know enough about the legal system and, and, like, yeah, how people find things out and, like, you get them on one thing and then it tumbles into others. But how how is that possible if you get them on drug solicitation? Like, how do you then get from point A, the drug solicitation, to point B, the sex ring or whatever you want to call it? Mm-hmm. I, I just don't – I don't know. So I'm like, cool, get him off the streets, arrest him. Sure, that's fine. Let's do that. But is all of this also on the up and up? Because are you just framing him? Which, like, no, because they literally see him. Yeah. Like, you literally see him exchange drugs for money. Like, yes, technically you're not. But you're, like, putting him in that situation to then get caught. So I'm just, like, uh, yeah. Like, I actually loved the scene, and I thought it was really well done. But I'm just confused. (laughs) I'm so confused. And I just don't get the feeling that, like, being arrested on a possession with intent to distribute or whatever is going to have the same impact on Riggs's life as being arrested for prostitution or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever the actual charge would be. Like, I don't know where the felony lines are drawn. I don't know the legal system well enough. And I especially don't know the legal system from 30 years ago in a state I've never lived in right right but I I just found it so interesting and I did love it that like 
they had that whole scene where, you know, Erica runs up to Riggs on the street and she's wearing a wire and Kelly is terrified for her in the back of that cop car. I kind of loved that. Me too. Like for a person who was so annoyed at Dylan for even having a sister in the first place, like she really truly does care. And I think that's the growth we needed to see from her from that point to now, which also makes her a more complete character when it comes to the work she's doing because I'm also like when you said earlier like how she was moving around and trying to see like what she wanted to do it also reminds me of when she worked with Jimmy and kind of like she was developing that empathy and that compassion for others so I'm like okay yeah it totally makes sense that she would be super 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 concerned for Erica not just in this scenario but in general yeah and you know (laughs) She is right to think that because they have seen what Riggs will do. And then as soon as Erica comes up, he grabs her arm and starts dragging Mm -hmm. her off into an alley. But Mm -hmm. she claims – she lies to him and says that she was in Vegas making a ton of money and hands him her little purse with a bunch of money in it. The wad very much looked like ones. i got to be honest. So like 50 bucks. (laughs) But she also came with a connect and is like, you see that guy over there? I know that guy. He loves Coke. Let's go sell him some Coke. <laughs> Let's go give him some. And I also just like, you can tell, I think they did a good job of making it seem like Erica had been in this environment for quite some time now because the way that she was like really natural about it like I don't think it was I think I think it was the right choice of direction and acting because it didn't feel too forced Mm -hmm. and it also didn't feel like she was out of place so it was almost like for a second I was like wait a minute is she gonna go back to Riggs like for a split second I had this thought they're gonna lose her And then they didn't. Like, it was perfect. It was well done. I mean, even her when, yeah, like, Riggs and Erica go over to that guy. Like, they exchange hands with cocaine. And then, boom, it goes from zero to 60 super fast. And police swarm. Erica also gets arrested. When she was crying and she was, like, really upset, I then believed her. I was like, okay, she's good. She's good. She's just acting. And I thought it was great. I loved it. The only thing that I didn't like, and I might have missed this, is, you know, Riggs gets in the other car. She's like, oh, my God, what's happening? He's, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, it's going to be okay, which means that he believes her. She gets Mm -hmm. in her car. He drives away. But then she gets, like, right back out of her car, right? Which means everyone they know in this area of town now saw her get out and talk to the cops and get unhandcuffed and just leave. Like, I just feel like they should have driven her back to the Walsh house or something. No, that's a good point. Like, at least get, you know – Half a mile away from the situation at minimum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my only gripe. And it's mm-hmm. so tiny because like it would have required going to another location. But they easily could have put her in the car, driven away, end the scene there. And then that last scene that we see them in where she's actually about to go to the airport and go to Europe, like that probably could mm-hmm. have started earlier where she gets back and they're like, now we got to hurry so we can make your flight or you know, whatever. Right, right. I also 
cannot get over in that scene where she's like, nobody stood up for me like this before. And I was like, Dylan went to Mexico to get you. I literally, literally wrote, she says no one's ever stuck up for her like that before, dot, dot, dot. You mean not since Dylan when he literally rescued you? <laughs> and Val. And Val. <laughs> well, Val's <laughs> Val let her go back to Riggs, so even Erica's <laughs> mad at her. <laughs> yeah. Val, Val had, like, one yeah. good thing and one bad thing that canceled out, so never mind. I take it back. I mean, but she was there and she did help. So, like, but clearly Erica has amnesia about that entire thing. <laughs> Never happened. Well, th- to be fair, this is a different Erica. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> this is not the same woman. <laughs> she can't be like, guys, wait, you wrote me five years ago doing. <laughs> okay, I would have died if she was like, no one has stuck up for me like this since the last time someone stuck up for me like this. <laughs> Or, like, if Kelly or Brandon would have been like, wait, you mean since the whole Mexico thing? And she'd be like, what Mexico thing? (laughs) (laughs) Very um, Morgan Matthews being like, man, I was in timeout for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. It was the longest timeout ever. (laughs) But, yeah, Erica's Erica's going to London. Presumably we never see her again. Presumably, but we thought that the last time. (laughs) That is very true. She's going to come back in like three years and be like fully British and covered in piercings Somehow. and just be like, I'm a rock star now. And, and the other Erica. Be- yeah, she's going to be the oh other God. Erica or somehow <laughs> older than Brandon and Kelly now. <laughs> I want it. I want it so bad. She comes back in season 10. They're like, who are you? And she's like, I'm Erica. You're 40. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm Dylan's older sister, Erica. <laughs> That would be hilarious. Oh, my God. But that has not actually happened. Mary, do you want to tell us what else happened this week? Steve offers Jody $1,000 a month if her kid also turns out to be his kid. But she wants her child to have a father, not just financial support. So Steve talks to his dad about whether his unplanned pregnancy ruined his life, Rush is like, I only thought so at first, and then probably about 20 other times in the past eight seasons of this show where you've done (laughs) dumb things. But overall, no way. Steve tells Carly he's going to step up and be a parent if the test comes back positive, and he understands that Carly won't want to be with him anymore. If anything, Carly is more pleased that he made the right decision and says she'll stand by him. But then it turns out Steve is not the dad. He was just the better option of Jody's two potential fatherly candidates. Which, like, what was the other guy like? Seriously. What is Jody's type that she thought Steve was the good one? I mean, I would say that Jody doesn't know either of them very well and so she went on first impressions or maybe we okay we know Steve's a good lover we know that <laughs> so maybe she was going on that she was like you know how to take care of a woman in bed maybe you know how to take care of a baby <laughs> that other guy he didn't do it for me <laughs> okay no this has to be canon <laughs> It's the only option that she was like, you know what? Steve was, like, really hot. Yeah, right? Like, because if they hooked up once, 
presumably she hooked up once with this other guy, or maybe she hooked up with him multiple times. I don't know. But presumably these were not long relationships Mm-mm. or relationships at all. So yeah, maybe she was just going on very vain superficial things and that's fine (laughs) fair enough (laughs) yeah i mean it's really gotta be like she doesn't talk about the other guy at all but she does say that she's gonna go to him next and be like hey you're the father do you think she shows up to him and goes hey you're the father and i know it's you because you're not the only guy i slept with but the other guy already took a paternity test right like how transparent is she gonna be like is i've i would hate now i do not envy her (laughs) not even a little bit honestly I don't envy anyone in this story because Steve drives me bananas. Like, he is acting wild this whole episode. Like, he is yelling about how he has no choice in this matter, and he's yelling at Carly, who, again, is a single mother who had to go through the same thing with her boyfriend back in high school. So the idea that she tolerates any of it and is just like – I don't know. She's – She's like a stuffed animal. She just sits there and takes it. And it's just like, well, I thought you were fine. It, yeah, 100% agree. It is wild when he's like, I think you'd be pretty exacting too if your whole world was coming to an end. I'm like, she literally has a six-year-old right now. And her world did not come to an end. And also, even if you like, like, it's totally fine if you never want children. And it's totally fine if you do want children, but not now. But my God, just to say that your world is coming to an end, like, I was like, okay, like, I understand you're upset, but also, like, you've had time from this. This should still mm-hmm. not be a reaction. And he's so mad about so the baby mad. and at Jody, And he, yeah, like you said, he's he's literally like, he keeps talking about how he doesn't have a choice. And I'm sitting here like, you literally do. You just don't want to, like do the right thing like it's literally not that he doesn't have a choice it's that he does have a choice but he the guilt and the shame of making the other choice he doesn't want to do he's mad about that he's mad that Mm -hmm. he has guilt and shame about it and i'm like can you not like can you just be an adult that's the thing. He's definitely waiting for these paternity test results to force his hand in either direction so he doesn't have to make the decision himself. And the yes. fact that he is having any sort of emotional reaction like this when we all know that that's what he's doing just, like, bothers me. I'm so tired mm. of it. So tired of it. I did love, though, the scene where he has Jody come meet him at the Beverly Beat and offers her money if the kid is his, and she's just like, you idiot, that's, you have to do that. That's child support. And that's less than child support. You idiot. Literally. And, and thank God that was the reaction, right? Like, like, thank God that was, like you said, when she comes over the, like Beverly beat and he's just like thinking he's doing her a favor. Oh, he's also real, like, the way he says it, he's like, I'm going to give you $1,000 a month if the kid is mine. If. Emphasis on if. And she's like, um, yeah, that's like legally what you're supposed to do. Like, so <laughs> that's bare minimum. And then like, I loved her comment when she was like, a father is a father, not just an ATM. And mm-hmm. that tells me a couple of things about Jody too. That she wants him to be a part of the baby's life. Like she has made her choice. She is having the child 
and that is her choice. She, I think, this tells me that she would either want Steve to be fully involved. They don't need a relationship like her and Steve, but the child, she wants a relationship with Steve and the child. Or she wants absolutely nothing to do with him. Like, mm-hmm. it's all or nothing. And she would be fine either way. But she doesn't just want some dude to just throw money at the situation and then have no contact or no interaction or anything like that. And I don't blame her. Yeah. No, that would make me feel so weird. Even if, like, you know, you need need the money to take care of the kid. Like, that's the whole point of it is that the money is to give the kid the life they deserve. But I would feel right. so weird with the way Steve is acting specifically. Yes. Yeah. Accepting those checks every month. Right. A hundred percent. Like it would be one thing if like, you know, Steve had agreed to, or not agreed because he has to, but like agreed to pay child support, but keep his distance like that. He Mm -hmm. was comfortable with, and he was a nice person about it. Then I'd be like, yeah, okay. That works for me. Mm -hmm. But the attitude and the immaturity and the like, almost like showboatiness of it like it's not showboaty like because he has nothing to brag about right now but it's like it's just this over the top like kind of straight white male of it all you know yeah it's awful I hate it I love that she storms out on him about it Mm -hmm. I love that Rush just like walks in and is like hey son what's up yeah and then like he's like trying to be vague about like hey how'd you handle getting my birth mom pregnant and he's just like um not well at first like he's like where'd this come from and then later on <laughs> when he was like yeah i kind of put two and two together it's like yeah steve you're not clever like we've established that yeah literally he walked in as jody was saying a father is a father not an atm storming out on you and you're asking him about being you know having an unexpected pregnancy Exactly. We're not dumb here. I also love I that he love. asked his dad. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. I love that, you know, he asks Rush about accepting responsibility and Rush was like, no, not right away. And I'm sitting here thinking like, I don't think Rush accepted responsibility for like a long time. Like, yeah, I, this is an interesting story that I kind of wish we could have spent a lot more time on. Like, I know me too. Heard about things before where like Rush got steve's biological mom pregnant and she was a teenager not the woman he was married to he was already with steve's mom at this point and then he came back later and essentially bought the baby off of her like we know Mm -hmm. all of that stuff but i do think it would be really interesting to have steve and his dad really sit down and have a conversation about what happened in those i think he says like two or three weeks Mm mm-hmm but to have Rush explain, like, this is what happened to me, and maybe it even parallels exactly what's happening to Steve. Yeah, I would love that. I mean, even if it, like, I think that's something we don't get enough of in this show, especially being a 30-plus episode season almost every season, is we don't get a lot of filler episodes or risky episodes. And what I mean by risky is that we could have an entire episode dedicated to steve's backstory and rush's mm-hmm. backstory and all of that um almost similar to like how in gilmore girls there was the one episode where jess goes out to california 
to go find or go talk to Jimmy, his dad. And Mm -hmm. that was supposed to be a backdoor pilot into a potential spinoff of Jess and it never happened. But I like sometimes that shows take risks like that to say, hey, we love this character. We love this idea. Let's investigate that. Let's show you a little bit more so that you can learn about this character more. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I think I think we need that information, even if it's a conversation, but I would love a full episode solely focused on them. Um, And you would think in this show with 30 plus episodes a season, we would get stuff like that. And we just don't. And that's okay. But I think it was a miss. No, I I agree. I mean, we do get a conversation, so it's better than nothing. I'll take what Mm -hmm. I got. Um, I would have loved to give – Steve an episode. Steve never gets an episode. Yeah. I would love to see Brenda and Dylan in London. Now, granted, I know like Shannon Doty's yeah, not That's on the literally show. not gonna happen. Literally never gonna happen. But like would love to see that. Would love to see Jim and Cindy in Hong Kong. Would love to see, you know, like all of the, these other threads, a Valerie backstory, like a full <laughs> when Tiffany Amberthiesen was first on the show, give her you know, age her down a little bit so she looks like she's 14, you know, like something like that. Like, I don't know. I just love stuff like that. But that's, Mm -hmm. I love character work. So that's my own preference. But at least in this conversation, even though we get a little bit of information about Rush, and we know it's not great, he knows he doesn't look great in this light, but he does immediately say that Jody is right and Steve is wrong. And I love that because that shows that he's learned from the situation. Yeah. Well, and he says at the end of that conversation, he's like, I don't regret what happened. And it took me a couple weeks to, you know, come to terms with it. I don't blame that for her. I don't blame you for having to go through that same time period and like really Mm -hmm. getting accustomed to it. But in the end of it, I got you. And he's like, that's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, which is adorable. And like, sometimes I feel like maybe Rush has the most character growth in this entire show because the first time we heard about him was when Steve's car got stolen in high school and Steve broke down crying because his dad was going to be so disappointed in him. And now he got a one night stand pregnant and Rush is just like, yes, I just had to bail your business partner out of jail, but I'm so proud of you and I love you so much. Yeah. That's a really good point. Like outside of maybe Jackie, maybe he does have the best parent character development. That's wild to me. But I think to that point, like I wish we could have gotten another reaction to when Steve's like, my life's over, dad. Like, cause me, I'm sitting here thinking that's all I can focus on. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, Steve, get over yourself. Like it just, I think they're like doubling down on those emotions and Mm -hmm. I can't stand it. Like, I mean, I know I want to have a child in the future and that's not even the reason why I'm upset about this. Like, it's just so immature and it's just so like they're hammering that dead horse. Like it just enough. And when Steve goes to Carly's house later and is like, Hey, I'm going to be involved I understand if that's weird for you and you don't want to be in this relationship. I just wanted to be like, didn't we already have this conversation? Like, we've done this before. And she shouldn't be so excited that you've come around again. She'd be like, this Mm -hmm. is the last time, right? We're not going to have this conversation again. And you're not going to say 
really rude things about a single mother to your girlfriend, a single mother, right? Yeah, exactly. And like short scene of the doctor's office, Steve, you are not the father. Like, Which, sorry, real quick. Why is Jody not there? Oh, right? <laughs> Jesus. Like, how does she find out? You know, like, yeah. Why did he have to get the results in person? Could they not have called? I don't know. And then his whole, like, falling to the ground and Carly smiling behind him. I was like, we are celebrating this too much when, like, he yeah. already wanted to, like, I, I just don't see what we're doing here. A hundred percent. And, like, exactly to your point about, like, are we going to do this again? Like, if, you know, Carly um, would have reacted like that and, like, are you still going to say shit things about being a single parent? Like, all this. Literally, when Jody goes to Carly's, and, like, she just says she heard the results. I'm like, okay, like, sure. And she we had to be involved this. in this. They had to get DNA we, out of her. Literally, exactly. And, but I just, I heard about it. And, like, <laughs> yeah, so then we learn that little bit of backstory about um, Jody, and, and that's kind of a little bit along the lines of what we expected all along. Mm -hmm. But, like, when, so, okay, there's two things I got, like, really offended here. Number one, I forget who it was either Carly or Steve, but they were like, are you going to tell the real father? I'm like, that is literally none of your business. Like, yeah, you, you are happy and thrilled that you are not fathering a, a child right now. That is where this ends, that we are done. That is it. So I got really pissed about that. But then <sighs> take a deep breath. Count to three. Steve has the audacity to say that he hopes that other guy does the right thing for the kid's sake. Are you serious? I hated Steve so much of this. Because, like, he finds out that the kid's not his and he's like, well, I have to go have a talk with Jody," Like, all pissed off. It's like, okay, so now we're back on the track of, like, Jody's trying to entrap you? Right. And then he's like, oh, I hope that other guy is better than me. He, literally, that's the lowest bar that you have to cross. That's not hard. Like, you spent the entire three episodes or whatever this has been now super furious and acting like a petulant child about having to take care of a baby that you created. And now you're like, oh, I hope that guy's good. Get out of here. Like, honestly, Jody should walk out the door of Carly's house, which, first of all, why is she at Carly's house? That was the weirdest set choice <laughs> to make. The other sets must have been occupied, so they just used Love this that. one. But, like, she should have walked out that door and been like, oh, my God, I dodged a bullet that I didn't even right? know I had to dodge. Seriously. And then, like, after she does leave, Steve's, like, all relieved to Carly. And I was like, honestly, if, if I'm her... I'm kind of offended. Like, yeah. doesn't this essentially doom their relationship in a way? Because he's so relieved he doesn't have to take care of a child. Bro, Zach is in the next room. This is the thing that gets me. Like, if this is not what destroys their relationship, then I kind of have, like, no respect for Carly. Yeah. Like, or we'll see. I have no idea what's coming up, but this upsets me that she is just, like, taking this like a champ. Because I don't think she has to. I agree. And what that tells me more is not that 
I don't have respect for Carly is that the writers never actually gave mm. a shit about creating this character and putting her in Steve's life. Like this honestly feels like an assassination of her character and they know Hillary Swank is not going to be around for a while or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they have to almost like make people not like her. No, I agree with that. I think you've got it kind of right. Spot on. They did it with Joe. Yeah. They did it with Colin. Not that we ever liked Colin, but like <laughs> they've done it with every character. They, they did it with Claire. And we literally loved her for like four seasons. Oh my gosh. I miss Claire. <laughs> I hope she's okay in France. I hope so too. Go find Prince. What's his face? I hope she is just sitting at a cafe, drinking a kir, eating a croissant. Yes. Like reading poetry and listening to a Walkman with whatever she wants. <laughs> yeah, no, she's going like full on French. She's got like mm -hmm. the the striped shirt and the beret and she's listening <laughs> to La Vienne Rose in her earbuds. She's got white face makeup. Oh, wait, sorry. That's mime. <laughs> <laughs> she's pretending to listen to La Vienne Rose. <laughs> Oh. oh, anyway, Mary, what else happened this week? David thanks Donna for paying his loan shark debt, and she's like, you're what? Uncovering another layer of David's lies and cementing this iteration of their breakup. Meanwhile, Donna spends more time with Noah, who has to come clean about his cash after Val sniffs out that revenue stream. David sets the pee pad office on fire, and oops, he doesn't have insurance anymore. His landlady has had enough and says that he's out of there by the end of his lease, but Noah swoops in again to try to save the club. David is less than thankful and throws the keys in Noah's face, as Noah laments that his money is ruining everything, definitely not the choices that he makes with it. I screamed when he bought the club. <laughs> Like, what? This thing changes hands so easily and often. You know Val is going to come back into the club and he, she 100%. and Noah are going to be running it together, right? And somehow it is still weirdly a love triangle between Val, Noah, and Donna. You just switch <laughs> out the boy. Like... I'm kind of hoping we get a love quadrangle, just having David in there somehow still. Oh, you mean just like creepily standing in the dark? Yep. <laughs> Always? <laughs> yeah. And like, okay, question. David still owns the business because Noah couldn't have bought the business from him without his consent. So Noah's just his landlord now. Yeah. Oh. No. Yeah, Noah owns the building. David still owns the business because throwing the keys at someone is not selling a business. This is not declaring bankruptcy. <laughs> this is like, not even like, you know, like a merger acquisition situation. This is just like, here's the keys. Can you lock up later? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. But like, seriously, this love quadrangle could really work because David really does just keep showing up everywhere literally the first scene he's just at the beach apartment the first thing I wrote for this is why does David keep showing up at the beach apartment when she told him not to dude seriously and at first I was like oh no he's having a manic episode because he yeah. was like way over the top happy mm -hmm. and that scared me 
Yeah, but it turns out he's just acting that way because he thinks that Donna bailed him out and that, like, you can't break up with me and kick me out and then bail me out and not have some feelings. So, like, I'm going to get this all back. I'm going to, you know, not be in all this debt. I'm going to get my girlfriend back. I'm going to move back into the apartment. Meanwhile, she has stopped listening to him ever since he said loan shark because she's Mm -hmm. just like, (laughs) I'm sorry, say what? Loan shark? And she is furious so mad she asked him to leave again like she has done in every conversation they've had for the past three episodes i really love that she calls him out on like everything she's like no i couldn't pay off your debt because i didn't know about it because when you said you told me the truth you didn't so you can Mm -hmm. get out exactly and he's just like he almost seems not phased by that because he's just like, well, who did pay him off? You know, he's so concerned with who paid the debt, not, oh, I lied to her again. Like, again. Yeah. And so this is another part where I thought somehow we had like taken a mid season break or something mm. because the next time we see David, he's at the pee pad, like basically unpacking his stuff in his office because that's where he's living. He's fully moved out of the beach apartment. And Val's like, so wait, let me get this straight. And basically recaps what has been happening in his storyline. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, why would she just like do this recap if we didn't take a break? But we didn't. So she's just Mm-mm. getting caught up and they needed a filler line. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Like, uh, yeah, I guess. And that and and then what was so weird and this was clearly like set up payoff, set up payoff. Mm-hmm. Because like as they're talking, we just see David turning on a space heater and like yeah. plugging a bunch of things in and I guess just trying to deduce who paid the debt cuz he's like Noah's broke, Carly's broke. Donna's and then Val fills in the blank of sleeping with the enemy which like when did Noah become the enemy guys like come on and of course because Val is Val she's like well hey um I know you are trying to figure this out why don't you let me talk to the loan shark I'll handle this since you're gonna get beat up if you ever talk to him again why don't I do it (laughs) like it is just – she doesn't even have to, like, be secretive about it anymore. She's just like, I'll do it. Yeah, let me just get involved in this. I haven't been, but I want to be. And people are just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I just feel like so many times she's like, this sounds like fun. And they're like, okay, yeah, I don't want to put myself in danger, so you go for it. Right, exactly. Like, David just wants to know, and she offers. So he's like, okay, fine. Like, I hate you, mm-hmm. and I don't want you in my life, but fine. And then we get that weird close-up on the space heater as if – Yeah. Like that's not coming back ever. Space right. heater's fine. I hate it sometimes. Not always. But I hated it here mm-hmm. when they like think the audience is stupid. Yeah. Like we don't <laughs> – we could see him messing with the space heater while talking and not have to zoom in on it and we'd be fine. Yeah. Like we don't need the the zoom in here and the zoom in with the goldfish later. Yeah, goldfish. Okay, I LOL'd at that. (laughs) Yeah. But, okay, so this next scene where Donna goes onto her boat, or her dad's boat, it kind of kills me that Donna's entire life, I don't really know how to say this, I guess, but it seems like 
Donna's job now is just finding pristine photo shoot locations in places that she grew up. And <laughs> the inside of a small boat is a terrible place for a photo shoot. Terrible. Like on the deck of the boat. That's a better location. <laughs> but she comes inside and is just like, I need to take some photos. Like, of what? Yeah. And like, also, it's probably not super clean because Noah lives there. Yeah. And Noah, like, sad lives there. Like, <laughs> yeah. He won't use a bowl because he's just eating his mac and cheese out of the pan. This is sadness. Oh this is not good. And to build on that, he is brooding alone on this boat in a black turtleneck when she comes a turtleneck. in. I was dying. California doesn't get that cold that often, and it is certainly not the time of year when it would be turtleneck cold. <laughs> Just, it made me laugh so much because he's trying to have this conversation with her of being like, I don't really care as long as you tell me the truth. You're not avoiding me because of work. You're avoiding me because of David. And yeah. then she says, you're not giving me much here it's like he's literally in a turtleneck like he's literally a sad boy <laughs> right now he's not gonna give you anything well and I do appreciate that he's like really straight up where he's like mm -hmm. I don't want us to feel guilty about this like you broke up with him and we had a good time like we shouldn't feel guilty about that and he's right they shouldn't and like Donna I think is trying to just preserve whatever is left between her and David not romantically but just like from the fact that they've known each other since they were 16 and but when she drops the film canister and they like nearly kiss I'm like this is hilarious this is so it funny was so silly like the, we did not need the build-up of her dropping the film canister and then both going down to pick it up like that's so rom-com it was mm -hmm. ridiculous. Like, we were supposed to believe they are sharing a moment. This is forbidden love. They need to be together. And I was just like, I don't care. Not right yeah, now. It's way you too just, fast. It's yeah. too fast. You haven't given me a reason to care about this yet. Mm-hmm. Other than the drama that will come later. Yes, the drama is the answer. Yeah, because after this, it really takes off. Like, that – Next that night is when the pee pad is like actually kind of busy and there's a band playing and David's still really nervous about making money. So he goes to get all of those salty cheddar fish crackers to make people drink, which all I could think about was his debt to the nut man is like he has been <laughs> barred from the mixed nuts companies. He has been blacklisted for not paying. So now he has to go to Costco and get his own goldfish for the bar. Okay, but like if he was really trying to save money and he wanted people to order more drinks based on whatever like cracker or like food they're consuming, bruh, bruh, you get saltines. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine going to a bar and having just a sleeve of saltines sitting on the bar. Where is that bar? I want to go right now. <laughs> but think about it. That shit gets you parched so fast, <laughs> and they're cheap as hell. <laughs> I, re I thought you were going to say pretzels, and then you went saltines, <laughs> and you're so right. <laughs> oh, man. 
but I mean, that's really not the point. Literally, it's not the point. He goes up and gets the box, but what we're supposed to see, and the show makes absolutely sure you see it, is that because David's living there, it's a mess. There are so many things plugged in. He throws a jacket over the space heater that he's left on, even though he's not in the office, Mm -hmm. and it catches fire. Everybody has to evacuate the building. He does put the fire out, but not before it's completely destroyed the office he's been living in. Yep. And now he's not in debt, but he is homeless. Yes. And God, this show really loves to set stuff on fire. This is like, what, the third, fourth fire we've been through? I think at least – It's definitely it's at, at least, least the three. Because they yeah. had – Yeah. They had – the wildfire, this one, the one at the party, there was the threat of one when Emily Valentine was going to burn down the float, but she never actually mm. did it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like 3.25. There was a lighter yeah. in that other scene. I also just like can't for the life of me imagine that David has gone through all of his options as far as like a place to live. Hello, your dad and Jackie have a big house. Not they would that absolutely far away. put him up. Absolutely. 100%. No, they just, I don't know. They don't want to like deal with that, I guess, as the show, but yeah, it's fine. Because you'd have to have like Mel and Jackie on the show. But I feel like you also don't. We can just say like, oh yeah, that's where David lives. Just like David lived at What's-His-Face's house and then they hand-waved it to be the Hollywood Hills house that David was living in. That's true. That's a good point. We can just hand-wave that away. David has somewhere to sleep at night, but they got to build up the tension and say Mm -hmm. now he's homeless. And speaking of the tension, (laughs) this is when Val goes to see Everett Sands, which is what a scene. So I don't have a whole lot to say about it because it's so classic Val where it's like she's just trying to use her wits and charm and her good looks to like get information, right? And it works every time because it does. And mm-hmm. all I really wrote down is like Sands says the words favorable terms all gross like and I hated yeah, it. Yeah, while like and looking at her. Yeah, exactly. And like she's okay with it which I hate and but we know that to be Val's character it's not out of character and yeah she just ends up getting the information because she's like oh just think of me as a nice girl with bad habits and then she's flabbergasted when he's like hunter Noah hunter and she's like nah fam that dude is broke <laughs> My favorite part was when she is so in shock that she tries to convince the guy who just got $15,000 from Noah that Noah has no money. He was like, no, he's got money. I mean, I have that money now, but he's also got money. Right. But and then she – oh, my God. We'll get there when we get there. Her response to this whole thing was easily my favorite part of this entire episode. Easily. Because, you know, we get we get a little bit more buildup where we find out David slept in his car last night. He let his insurance lapse because he either could pay his rent or he could pay his insurance, and he chose one over the other. He literally just took out all that money from a loan shark. I don't know how you don't get your insurance policy back up and running, but okay. It's the nuts. 
<laughs> he had to try so desperately to get his nut guy back. He couldn't he burn that work. bridge. But he let his insurance lapse, and as of now, the landlord does not know that he set her building on fire. Which, you know, is just foreshadowing. Like, yeah. Th- there was no way that she's not going to find out. I think even in this scene, they say, like, news travels fast. She's going to figure this out. Right, right. Noah goes to see David to tell him that nothing happened between him and Donna. And if you say the word, nothing ever will. But David does his David thing. And I thought this was very interesting when I don't remember exactly how it goes, but Noah's like, are you still with her? And David's like, yeah, I am. And Noah's like, well, I don't like liars. Yeah. It's like he knows that's not the case because he knows he doesn't have any information to believe that Donna would be lying about the situation or that she would cheat, you know, cheat on David with him or things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, but David is pissed at Noah kissing Donna, who was single at the time, mm-hmm. and tells Noah to go to hell, yep. which is just going to be great when he finds out. But first, though, Donna comes to see David because she heard about the fire, because news travels fast, whatever. And he refuses to engage with her. He's just like, oh, did you hear that from Noah? You heard that from Noah, didn't you? And she's like, yes. Okay, I heard it from Noah. You're also homeless. Do you want your apartment bedroom that you literally still have? I have three bedrooms. You can have one. And he just absolutely refuses help from her, which I feel like is a terrible choice by him because the whole reason their relationship imploded was he refused to ask for help. Right. Well, and he gets mad at Donna for kicking him out, but then opening her arms. Like, he's like, yesterday you were kicking me out and today you're offering me help. And she's like, Donna's so clearly trying to like keep it all together and be rational because she's even like, that was yesterday. This is today. Things have changed. Like, circumstances have changed. Just because I'm mad at you and we can't be together romantically doesn't mean I can't be your friend and, like, help you when you're in need. And, yeah, to your point, it's like he didn't accept help before. He's not asking for help now, and he won't accept it now. He has not learned anything. Mm. And you know she's going to, like, file that away. She can be like, he didn't learn. I'm still going to try and be his friend because that's who I am. But Mm -hmm. if he's not learning, like – we had already totally destroyed this relationship, Neil, in the coffin when we found out he lied earlier. But, like, he is just yeah. really – he is just making sure extra hard that they're not getting back totally. together anytime soon. A hundred percent. Like you said, like, it's – Donna I, – I think that's the biggest difference, right, is that Donna, when she ended the relationship, you know, once she found the check that David forged, she was done. Mm-hmm. She was done, done. And David has not been done with the relationship. And so he's not able, like, she has clarity because she's like, I know there's no romantic things here. I know where I stand. And mm-hmm. David's still acting like, you know, there's a chance he could get her back, but he's not doing things to convince her that he's worthy of getting back together with. Which always blows my mind because it feels like. David's another one of those characters that keeps taking these like amazing steps for growth and then self-sabotages in the exact same way that yeah. he always has. 
Totally. Like, he has this weird vision spot with Donna mm-hmm. where, like, he just can't not be a dick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. But this next scene with Valerie. Oh, my God. When she just comes onto that boat and just starts slapping Noah. And he's like, you do that again, I'm going to slap you, too. I'm like, whoa. Whoa, whoa. But when when she says she found out he's rich and he's like, did Brandon tell you? And she's like, oh, my God, Brandon knew? And then she goes <laughs> to get mad at Brandon later for not telling her. Dude. Yeah, like, this was none of her business whatsoever. But, like, she's like, I know that you bailed out David and, like, now he's, like, like, she ends up just spilling every bean but then still being mad about what she knows even though she went behind everyone's back and, like, got in their business. It's like she can never understand why people are mad at her and why people don't like her she's like well i had to find out this all on my own you told somebody else and not me the person who's the picture of trustworthiness like how dare you (laughs) so funny and she's like you know noah's like i just wanted people to like me for me and she's like i liked you for you and noah and all of us are like what are you talking about (laughs) you are the least trustworthy person in the world he literally was like, well, you didn't act like it because she didn't. She literally like tried to have her cake and eat it too because she was attracted to Noah's looks probably. And the fact that maybe he was poor. Like she literally was at the salon and was like, well, I like this one guy because he's rich, good looking, handsome, and has a lot of connections and can buy me things and all these things. And then there's this other guy and he's also really hot, but he's a poor. So I don't know. I just, I just love the idea that she comes to him so pissed off and she's like we could have been great together if I just knew you had money it's the only thing you were missing he's (laughs) like no you should have liked me for me and she's like I did but I also want money I did but I would have liked you more if I knew you had money obviously take you as you are and exponentially increase it by the amount of millions that you have (laughs) like this story goes back over to Noah and Donna and David before it comes back to Val, but I really want to close out the Val stuff just because this scene like wraps itself up. She leaves the boat. She goes home where she immediately starts yelling at Brandon too. And I love it. (laughs) I love it. Like, honestly, I don't know if this, this might be too long to be a quote of the week contender, but when Brandon, when she's yelling at him and he just leaves the conversation and goes into their bedroom and Kelly goes, what was Valerie bagging about? And he goes, oh, she's just blaming me for her two-timing Noah. Oh, that makes sense. Yep. Perfect. I literally will go ahead and reveal it. That it was, in fact, my quote of the week. Because, like, it was just so the, good. Just the natural of, like, oh, that makes sense. Like, <laughs> Kelly's yeah. just not even surprised by anything. It's, like, completely unfazed. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it shows how Kelly has accepted living with Val like she's not like oh "Oh my god that is the dumbest thing and you have to kick her out because she's being this way no right Val is out there yelling of like you know I'm poor how could you not tell me that Noah's rich and Kelly's just like doing her crossword puzzle right she's probably just like and seven down is bitch (laughs) like (laughs) so that's I think that's really it for Val. I really think she just comes around and yells, and then they're just like, "All right, we're done with her this week." 
I yeah, don't think, I think she so. comes back. I think so too. I mean, there's like oh, one no, last he's... scene, but it's with mm. David, so we can get yeah. there when we get there. Yeah, because so we can jump back now to everything else that happened because, like. This whole thing about not liking liars and whatnot kind of comes back. Noah has to tell other people about the money. Like, he has to get ahead of this or Val's just going to tell everyone because we know that's what Val does. So Mm -hmm. he shows up at the beach apartment, like, I think totally unannounced. Like, he did not talk about going to see her even though Donna is calling him at this moment. And he just kind of, like, lays it all out. He's like, I speak my mind but I'm secretive and I really like Indian food. Also, I'm very wealthy. And like, it was a weird choice, I think for Noah, but I I also appreciate that he's like, okay, this has gotten me in trouble. So let me like maybe try to start this relationship off on a good note. And so Mm -hmm. here's some things about me, by the way, I'm, I just love every single time he tells somebody who he is. He's like, I'm a hunter. And no one knows what that means. And he's like, a hunter oil and chemical? And they're like, oh. Because this this gives me vibes of like a Coke brother. You know, it's like you technically, like if someone said that name, it's not, I mean, hunter is so common. But at the yeah. same time, it's like you know the facility or the company or the corporation more than you do the individual last name, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, every time he's like, I'm a hunter, they're like – you like, like shooting deer? <laughs> yeah. Is, is this skeet shooting? Is it animals? I'm right. not really into that. <laughs> yeah. I also really love that Donna is upset that he didn't trust her with his secret. Like, why is everyone in this friend group like, why didn't you tell me about your money? I'm trustworthy. Like, he just met you three months ago. And also, like, imagine if you, if any of the three of us were to win the lottery tomorrow. You think – any of us is going to tell each other? Of course not. And that's not because we don't trust the other. It's because, you, like, literally, Noah's whole argument, like, oh, my money ruined things. Like, it kind of does, in a way. There's just no getting around it. But, of course, in this case, it's like Noah's actions about money are certainly ruining things more than his money. But I don't blame him for not telling anybody. Like, look what happened with Dylan. Like, literally everybody came to him wanting to use his money for things. Of course he's not going to just up and tell people, like, I have multi-millions. Like, no. And, like, he does have a point of wanting people to like him for him. Like, his money does not define him. Exactly. It's just, it's so weird to me how they make such a big deal out of it. And then, like, yeah. I don't know, maybe five seconds later, Donna realizes, like, oh, I have money, too. Let's go get Vindaloo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Like, I just she doesn't also, care. Like, I, she, yeah, she doesn't care. But I also just kind of hate how fast they're moving. Because, yeah. like, they go on this date or whatever, and then they come back, and they already, like, kiss and stuff. And, like, yeah, they don't sleep together which is good I think that's the right move but yeah I just kind of don't like how quickly Donna's moving on not that I don't she can kiss whoever she wants to like I don't care about Mm -hmm. that I think it's just like 
Donna doesn't just casually date. She is a serial monogamist. And so, and David is like, David's not just another boyfriend to her. And he never has been. No. You know, like, he, like she lost her virginity to him. That was a huge deal in and of itself. They've gotten together and broken up many times. Like, I don't know. I'm not. I don't hold it against Donna. Just me personally, I don't like the story of it mm-hmm. so far. Well, and like you said, she's a serial monogamist. We've seen her like build up to relationships in the past. It kind of feels like it feels to me that this is happening so fast that Noah's like a rebound and it's not going to be mm-hmm. a serious relationship and it's not something I have to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just – it's too fast. I think – I don't know. I don't have a better answer here because the whole – I also feel like the whole point of the Noah and Donna stuff is to, like, cause more drama with the David stuff because he is homeless. He has nowhere to go. He finally agrees to end up at the beach apartment in time to see Noah and Donna kissing on the porch and right. just walking in the darkness. I, like, and then has the audacity to just, to just get mad at her when she's done nothing wrong. Like – you know, Donna even is sweet enough to say, I'm sorry you had to see that. Not, I'm sorry yeah. for doing it. I'm sorry you had to see it. Big and he's difference. like, not half as sorry as I am. And I'm like, oh my God, get over yourself. Go to your room. Like, <laughs> So I will say that was my initial reaction to it too. And then I kind of tried to think about it of like, okay, well, maybe he's saying that because he's finally realizing the consequences of his actions and that Mm. he would not have had to see Donna kissing Noah if he had just told her the truth Mm -hmm. in the first place. Like, they would still be together. This is all his fault. He's done this. He has nothing anymore, and now he's finally seeing it. And so, yeah, like, it could be a real petulant, like, not half as sorry as I am, but, like, it could also be, well, shit. No, that's I think that's a great point. Um, and I hope that's the case. Like I really do. I don't want this to be a situation where he just like keeps giving her crap for dating somebody else. Like I really hope that's not the case. Yeah, especially if they're gonna be platonically living together for whatever reason. Right, exactly. I mean Oh I Ugh. That would just I'm Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, I have no words for this and I am so curious how it's gonna play out. Oh, and especially well, if she wants to keep dating Noah while David's living there, she's going to always be leaving to go meet Noah somewhere else, and he's always going to be like, where are you going? Mm-hmm. And she's not going to want to lie to him. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking because also it's like it would be one thing if the situation was reversed and, like, he was cool about it, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, he has had so much anger around this for the last few episodes and, like, it bleeds into the next scene that we see where Val walks into the pee pad and, like, he immediately just, like, airs out the laundry, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, I saw Noah and Donna kissing and then that's when Valerie reveals that he was the one that paid off the debt and then David's all like, oh, he steals my girl and saves my butt all at the same time and to Val's point, she kind of takes up for Noah in this situation. She's like, maybe he thought it would soften the blow. And like, on the one hand, like, sure, that could be it. Or he's just trying to find ways to like use his money for good because he's mm-hmm. really concerned about what people think of him. And then David's immediately like, I'm going to go let him know it didn't. That was the dumbest line ever. Dumbest. 
so bad. And then he just stays mad this whole time. I'm like, no, he just saved your butt, literally. Like, you literally were going to get the crap kicked out of you. And he goes into the peach pit where he sees Donna and is just like, oh, are you here with Noah? And then Noah walks in from the other side because he's apparently literally like, the landlord kicked David out yesterday and today Noah's calling her to buy the building out from under. And she's probably just like, yeah, it's full of fire damage and terrible people you can have. I don't care. Right? As long as I get paid, like whatever. Yeah. I also, I have so many questions about this. So we find out that Noah bought the building, which first of all, why are you so obsessed with David? Like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're using your money for good, but you're obsessed with him. I think you're in love with him. Well, and to that point real quick, like we eventually got payoff as to why Noah was so like, I I wouldn't necessarily obsessed, but just like hypervigilant with Kelly when she got shot. Like Mm -hmm. we got a payoff on, (laughs) no pun intended, of why he was the way that he was around her. And so all of that made sense. Now that we know a lot more about Noah, I don't understand unless he's just trying to cement himself as like a good guy or good intentions or the bigger person, maybe, you know, with David, there's no other explanation. So I don't know. Yeah, I I have nothing. And then, like, he makes this big grand gesture of buying the building and David throws the keys at him and it's like, you can have the club yeah the iconic ending line of just what i was afraid of my money is ruining everything it makes me think of that meme or gif i'm not sure which one of like the person just throwing papers in the air and like (laughs) just oh man not my money is what i was afraid of (laughs) ridiculous like no sir your behavior is what's ruining everything again like but okay my questions about this, he bought the building. Technically, the pee pad and the peach pit are in the same building. Does that mean yeah. he also owns the peach pit building now? Good question. And then there's that one scene with the landlord where Nat's trying to cover for David and be like, oh my gosh, this damage is less than the deductible. You shouldn't even like file. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, Nat is invested in this club. Like, Mm-hmm. I have so many questions. How is he just now realizing how bad it is? How are we not right. concerned at all about this like very fast turnaround of landlord to landlord? That's not how real estate deals work. I know. There's so many questions. And I think everybody at the show is just like, people won't think about this. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, they it's care more fine. about the drama. Yeah. I 100% don't think they were expecting people in their 30s to be watching this and being like, that's not how you business. <laughs> True. Excellent yeah. point. They're like, everyone's 22. They think this is normal. Just go with it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, yeah, that's that's it, right? Like, Steve's not the father. Brandon's not in jail. Noah owns – the building of the pee pad and also potentially the pee pad. Because yeah. someone threw keys at him. Well, and yeah, like that, like we talked about earlier, it's like there's the physical location and there's the business itself. So mm-hmm. 
David can throw the physical keys all he wants to, but he can't throw the metaphorical keys, right? Like, he can't just, like, shirk his responsibility <laughs> of owning the club, the business. He's still got vendors to pay. That's not the debt that Noah just took on. Noah literally just took on landlord duties. But, like, now that you say that, I do really think David's going to step away from this club and Noah's going to start yeah. running it with Val. Like, I think David's just going to go and I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, like, somebody's going to have to – like, I wonder if, you know, the purpose of having Nat, number one, is because he's contractually, contractually obligated to be in every episode, as we've pointed out. The, the other the other point could be that maybe this is him getting involved so that when the pee pad isn't running because David just assumed like, oh, either he assumed that meant everything or he's just literally like washing his hands of it. Nat's going to be like, I need somebody to run it. And Noah and Val are going to step up. I think mm -hmm. that's an accurate prediction. Yeah. It's got to be oh, them too, right? It has to be. And I want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So we know – so we know your quote of the week. Yes. Let me see if I had any others that I wanted to say. The I do really love just what I was afraid of. My money is ruining everything. Mm -hmm. I honestly didn't have any other ones except for, like, they took my belt and my watch, Brandon, at the interrogation He was so whatever. surprised. He was so <laughs> surprised. Uh, that, I think that's all I had that was, like, interesting to me, other than just, like, commenting on, you know, context. Yeah, I really didn't write anything else down. The other ones I have are, like, <laughs> when Steve offers Jody the money and she just goes, you have to do that anyway, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's, like, exactly what she said, but that's what I wrote. But I do think she calls it. I think she does too. Yeah, but that's all I've got. What about you, Mary? Um, I wrote down Val amending sleeping with the enemy to petting with the enemy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, petting with the enemy. <laughs> Gross. God, she's so funny. I love her. She is funny. I love I her. Too. Um, also, Noah just saying, been a long time while leaning in a doorway with his turtleneck. <laughs> the turtleneck absolutely sent me. I love it. Uh, I love Noah. He's like <laughs> my favorite. He's like the most interesting slash likable whatever bland brown haired boy since Dylan. Yeah, I think so. And Dylan's not bland. Yeah, I wouldn't call Dylan a bland brown-haired man. But yeah, same same character archetype, different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's like a Venn diagram of bland brown-haired tall man and um troubled boy with money. <laughs> he he is literally Brandon and Dylan mixed together. Like, yeah. He is. That's who he is. He was created for baby. us. <laughs> yeah. He was created in a lab. <laughs> yes do you have a moment of the week too um i do and if it's not noah leaning in a doorway wearing a turtleneck um it is 100 percent 
Steve's um, Bethesda NPC behavior when he's just wandering around in the <laughs> like at the Beverly Beat, like walking into chairs because he's so stressed out over this yeah. like baby daddy situation. God. Oh my god, those are my favorite videos on TikTok when people pretend to be NPCs and they just like get stuck in the tub. Yep. A hundred <laughs> that was a hundred percent him. He's like literally just walking in a two-foot space between a desk and a chair, going like, uh You can just picture like the Sims with the little exclamations above them where they're just like, ah. Yep. <laughs> just like I I can't I can't walk. There's a dishwasher here. Sorry. That's hilarious. That's so perfect. That makes me very happy. That's like a saving grace of everything that he did in that scene. Mm-hmm. Whether he knew he was doing it on purpose, he really, his acting saved it. Well, what is next week's episode, Caitlin? Okay, so next week we have season eight, episode 12, Friends Indeed. And it's not Indeed, it's Indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, when you said it, that's how I heard it was friends in deed as three words. Yeah. But I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, you know, it's like words versus deeds. It's like your actions or mm-hmm. something. So maybe it's more David, Noah, Donna, Val kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm thinking like, like deed is in like title to a building. Oh, yep. that's what I was thinking too. Mm-hmm. But also, to, like, I like that it sounds like friends building. in need, but like you have a cold. Ooh, okay. Friends indeed. <laughs> that was cute. Oh my gosh, I love that. Anytime anybody says something with like it's like it's like a voice of blah blah blah, I have to try it. <laughs> I mean, that's why we have a podcast so that people have to listen to us try that's all true. of our accents. <laughs> very true okay well anyway we'll find out what it means next week and maybe we'll all show up with a nice little cold accent i don't know i got nothing (laughs) anyway find out next week what we end up doing and until then you can follow us on instagram at back to podcast and you can send us an email if you'd like to at back to podcast at gmail.com that's b-a-c-k-t-o podcast at gmail.com And don't forget to go into your podcast app and write, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community, and then we can give you all a better product. And if you give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout-out on the show because we really appreciate you. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I just got to go get some Indian food. I'm in debt to my nut man, so I had to get goldfish. I gotta go call my dad and see if I ruined his life. Bye! Bye! See ya. <laughs>